Resurrection Assembly of God. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Grab your Bible, and before you open to our passage today, consider this book that you have. Look at it in your hands. If I see your eyes, you're not listening to me. Look at the Bible. (laughs) There you go. Consider the treasure that that Bible is. This book contains the God-breathed scriptures. They're useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the person of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It's not just a book. This Bible that we have, it's the good book. It's the revelation of God to us. And the same spirit that spoke through the prophets in its writing is here speaking to us today, hiding this word in our hearts that we might not sin against God transforming us in our hearing and leading us towards the river of life. So don't take the Bible for granted and don't neglect it. Spend time with God's word daily, whether it be through listening or reading, memorization or meditation on just one small verse. And let God's word transform you in unimaginable and good ways. Pay attention to the whole witness of scripture, from Genesis to Revelation. The whole story weaves in and out of itself, building the most precious and beautiful tapestry. So today, as we get into our text, I want you to remember the scripture we read earlier. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. We read the calling of Abraham and God's promise to him. And I want to look again at that promise as we dive into Romans 4. It says, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. He was 75 years old. All right. Now, Romans chapter 4. If you've got your finger in it, we're uh, going to start in verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, Faith is null and the promise is void, 
for the law brings wrath. But where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old. And when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word breathed by your spirit for our benefit. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what your spirit is speaking to your church today and help us to walk faithfully in the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Church, today we can find encouragement because Jesus Christ is the promised offspring of Abraham who, like Abraham, left his father's house in obedience to God and through whom all the families of the earth are now blessed. Which means God keeps his promises. Kids, kids, kids. There we go. I see some eyes. Look at me. Say, God keeps his promises. Okay, everyone say it with Laz. God keeps his promises. There we go. Abram was moved by God to step out. And as he trusted, as he obeyed, God used his obedience and faith to bless all of the earth. Though Abraham would not see the depth of these implications in his lifetime on this side of glory. And Paul here in Romans carefully points out that it makes sense that all families, Jews and Gentiles alike, those who had already known that they were called by the one true God, and those who had no idea they were a part of his redemption story, can trace their lineage to Abraham. Not by birth records, 
The Bible says that God can raise up descendants from Abraham from stones. We are brought into the family by the faith and righteousness of Christ, the promised offspring. This is good news for most of us who by birth have no claim to inherit the promises of blessings from God to Abraham, who have no birthright to his kingdom of righteousness. But God called Abraham not because of his lineage. That's what Paul points out. Not because of his goodness, not because of his wealth or his status. God called Abraham that we might all know the grace of God. Unearned, undeserved, but still given. See, church, before Abraham was obedient, God made the promise. Before Abraham became the forefather of Israel, before his flesh was marked as set apart in circumcision, God called him and gave him a promise. Likewise, God does not wait to offer us hope and promise until we have everything figured out. God calls us out of darkness into his glorious light and saves us from the grip of sin and death because he is faithful and by his righteousness. Because the gospel is not about my righteousness or your righteousness or our faithfulness, but about the righteousness of God displayed in the cross of Jesus Christ. It is about the faithfulness of God who keeps his promise, who takes on flesh, who tears the veil, who bears the marks of our differences in his broken flesh that we might obtain the peace of God which transcends understanding. Church, it is the act of God in Jesus Christ, not our acts or our heritage that opened the way to new and unending life for all of the earth. Because God keeps his promises. The promise he made to Abraham to bless all the families of the earth through him. That is why, by the way, those boring lineages in your Bible matter. Because God shows just how particularly faithful he was to keep the promise he made. He promised that as Abraham responded in faith to the promise, though he was old, though Sarah was far past, far past childbearing age, he would open her womb and give them a family. And we can trace through that family line to the very birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God is faithful to keep his promise. And that promise is the promise of blessing and life. As Paul recounts Abraham's story, 
he highlights this. As Abraham stands before the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. He held fast to the hope of God's promise, even though by every reasonable measure it was impossible for God to fulfill the promise. Abraham became the father of many nations through his body, which was as good as dead. And through Saren, Sarah, who was barren. Church, we have the same hope to which we must hold fast. God is able to bring life where there is no hope for life. Like the barren womb of a 90-year-old woman. Like the virgin womb of a woman named Mary. God is able to bring life where there is no hope for life. Not only in barren wombs, God is able to resurrect the dead. There is nothing that stops the force of life that flows from Christ, who is the resurrection and life who is the promised offspring of Abraham, who robbed the grave of its sting and death of its victory. We see this not only in the promise of Abraham and the son that was born, Isaac, we see it in Christ's very life here on earth with us. As he went out of his way to call little girls from their deathbeds, and heal the wombs of bleeding women. And ultimately, we see it in the death and resurrection of our Lord. Church, Jesus is the fulfillment. Jesus brings life. And through Jesus, not only the nation of Israel, but all of the families of the earth can inherit the blessing Praise God, that means us. We, like Abraham, must respond to this undeserved yet freely given promise of God with obedience and faith. Because as we hold fast to the promise of life in Christ, as we are fully convinced that God is able to do what he promised and undo death itself, as our faith moves from what we can accomplish, which is not all that much, to what God has accomplished in Christ Jesus and what he promises to accomplish yet in Christ, that faith is counted to us as righteousness because when by the spirit we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and in our hearts believe that he truly was raised from the dead we too can be saved church faith is so important and it's not just a thought, 
Faith is not just a feeling. Faith isn't even just a conviction. Faith is powerful and it moves us to action, to follow when the Lord bids us to come. Even if we are uncertain of where the path is going to lead. Sometimes that faith can be really hard. Sometimes as we are faced with the enormity of our problems, we can feel so weak in our faith. Sometimes as we are faced with the enormity of our weakness and our sinfulness, we can struggle to believe God's promises truly extend to us. When things at work are tearing us down over and over, or not moving forward as we think they ought, faith can seem really hard. When inflation rises and our bills grow, even though our paychecks seem to, to dwindle, faith doesn't seem very practical. When our health is failing us, faith seems fragile. When we watch our enemies prosper and our anger grows, faith seems ineffectual. When we struggle with our own sinfulness, faith seems out of reach. When our loved ones are shot down in the streets, faith seems painful, naive. And when it all comes crashing in on us, wave after wave, sometimes faith can seem a little pointless. But church, Hear me when I say, faith in Christ is not pointless. It is not ineffective, and it is not impractical. Because God made a promise through Abraham, a promise bigger than words, a promise that was incarnated in the broken and crucified flesh of our Lord, who was faithful unto death, and in that faithfulness undid death itself. So now we can hold fast to the promise of God, and when faith feels impossible, we need to look to our father Abraham and give glory to God anyway. Because as you give glory to God, your faith can become strong. That's what Paul says happened to Abraham's faith. As he gave glory to God, his faith was strengthened. And as that faith grows stronger and stronger, as we continue to give glory to God, 
May we be fully convinced that God is able to do what he promises. Not just able, but that he will. Because God is faithful even in the very minute particularities. Praise God. And as we who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, Jesus our righteousness, Jesus our life, Jesus who is delivered up for our trespasses, not because we deserve it, but because he, was, he is faithful. Jesus who is raised for our justification, not because we are just, but because of his grace and his mercy. May that faith be counted to us as righteousness. Church, we don't inherit the promise because we are perfect. In faith, we inherit the righteousness of God, the promise of life in Christ, the hope of new and unending life in him, and there is no better way to respond than to give God, who gives freely, the glory that he alone deserves. So church, may we respond well to the gifts and the love of Christ. May we remember his faithfulness and act in faithfulness and so grow in the righteousness of a faith that can move mountains and raise the dead. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. I invite you to stand. Holly, will you come on up? And let's prepare our hearts as we remember the broken body of Christ who is faithful until the end and in that end bring us a new beginning. Amen. church because we can boldly approach the throne of grace and receive mercy let's confess our sins to God and one another Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, in word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us and forgive us. And give us the joy of your saving help again and sustain us with your bountiful spirit. Amen. If we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9 tells us, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We've confessed our sins. 
we can be certain God forgives us. If you're not a Christian, I urge you today to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptized that you might join us at this table. If you've not done so, I recommend you refrain from this meal for your own sake. Let's pray. Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love you made us for yourself, and when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, you in your mercy sent Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. We now celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Recalling his death, resurrection, and ascension, we offer you these gifts. Father, we ask you to sanctify these by your Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, the food and drink of new and unending life in him. We ask you to make us holy that we may faithfully receive this meal and serve you in unity, faith, and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all of your church into the joy of your eternal kingdom. We ask all of this through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.